Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we are fortunate to have Corey and Kakoa joining us, and they are friends. Corey's joining us from Hawaii, and Kakoa is joining us from down the road, actually, in Issaquah. So thank you both for being here. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself so the listeners learn? He's <laughs> throwing it back to me. Okay. Well, thank you guys for having us on. This is Corey. I got started investing in real estate in 2011 in California. And uh, I worked under other investors who I door knocked for, for a while. And that was brutal. It was probably like the hardest year of my career, even to this day. But I feel fortunate because it was the year of the most growth for me, personal growth. And I feel, you know, to make it in this business, you really have to have the right mindset because there's ups and downs, just like any entrepreneur venture that you dabbled into. Business is never a straight line to the top. It's always uh, peaks and valleys, right? And so I got to discover what I had deep inside of me. I'm at heart an introvert. I've grown more confident and able to speak on podcasts and other events and stuff. So I've come a long ways. That year was probably the biggest year of growth for me. And today now I'm with Kikoa, my partner. We've do ground up construction. We flip houses in multiple states, Hawaii, Washington state, and also Nevada. And Kekoa, so how did you get started in real estate? (laughs) (laughs) Nice baton pass. So I went to a university at Western Washington University in Washington state of all places. I chose that over uh, a full ride scholarship to Pepperdine and Huntington Beach, largely because the drinking age was 18 in Canada. So terrible, terrible, terrible decision making. But it would turn out great because they had a program. They allowed you to major in accounting, minor in girls and minor in real estate. So I did the real estate end and Lee got my license and I bought my first house hack at the age of 21 and had a bunch of uh, roommates live in it. And it was life changing because I bought a five bedroom, had six guys live in it. I was making like $750 a month off my friends. I couldn't even tell them that because they would be pissed. And so then it just kind of started. It just from there became uh, a hobby. It became something I always did in the background. I had other careers, had other jobs, but always just did real estate. And then fast forward the clock just a bit. I saw Corey at an investor, kind of a meetup type of a gathering on Oahu. It was love at first sight. At least it was for Corey. Maybe not so much for me. It was great. He and I both were uh, personal trainers by background. So we had a connection right away. And then as we got a chance, I think we were touring around some homes and, and he and I were having just some conversations on the side. And one thing led to another. And just over time, we decided, hey, let's try to do a deal together. And I think that's sometimes the best way to start is you do a deal uh, informally uh, and formally with somebody who's a friend or a spouse. And so we did our first deal in Portlock, Oahu, of all places. So we decided, you know, our first deal, why not? We'll buy something at $1.2 million. <laughs> and so we bought one, did a flip. And then that was the beginning of the journey. We did more home flips. We did more renovations. We did buy and holds. We then branched out into lending and then construction and then property management. I haven't told Corey yet, but I think we're going to go into marijuana next. So we're just going to add right on to our verticals. And so 
Yeah, so that's kind of basically how we got started, and that's how Corey and I met. And so, yeah, he's. Uh, it's funny because we'll oftentimes say we're partners, and then people are like, "Really? That's so cute. You look good together." We're like, "Well, we're also real estate partners, but you know, it's all good. It's all good." <laughs> <laughs> we always gotta be clear. We always gotta make that clear. But yeah, I think you forget. I think you forget, bro. So Kikola had a project literally the street right over from mine. And so the first project that we did together was actually, it kind of just happened, our partnership. But uh, I remember Kikola saying, hey, can you go check on my, the project while I'm away? Because since I'm right, the project that we ended up doing together, we ended up doing both of the projects together. Um, and he was like, I'll give you like 50%. And so I was like, oh, I don't need 50%. It's literally right there. I'll just go check on the project for you as a favor. But one thing you know led to another, as they say. And we ended up just doing partnering and doing both projects together. So, and then been running ever since. How soon after you guys met, did you agree to partner on that project? Uh, it was probably a couple of years since the first time we met. We just had the same network of friends and circle of influence. And so we got together quite a bit at various things. And then, then we ended up working together with an investor that we were mentoring with under on Oahu. And so we were in charge of all the projects there and it worked out great. That was really the entree. Uh, sometimes the right opportunities present themselves in life. And when you say yes to those opportunities, more doors open. And so had it not been for the fact that we had worked with that investor, Corey and I probably wouldn't have realized how well we work together. And so during that season, when we worked for that investor, we were basically a big team, but Corey and I worked very close together because Corey was basically the acquisition side and I was the design side and the execution side with our contractor. So it worked out great because Corey's a numbers guy. He's uh, He wears uh, black and white because he's just a black and white guy. I always wear colors and I'm loud and obnoxious and design oriented. We always had just the perfect fit together under that season, in that season. And so then when it came to one of the projects that I was doing with my wife in Hawaii Kai, uh, that was when Corey was talking about, it was like, hey, can you just go check on this property? And then one thing led to another and it just became where it just made sense for us to start doing more together. And I think that was a good step for us as it started slow. And then we didn't really commit to a long-term marriage. We committed to more just deal by deal. And then over time, it just was like, hey, we actually got some pretty cool opportunities. And it was, there was a synergy there. It's not, you know, all roses, of course. Corey is pretty obnoxious from time to time. I'm totally fine. It's all him. So from time to time, we have our disagreements and such, but it's always been just a great journey. And, and really, we feel like our best days are still yet ahead of us. Awesome. Yeah. So many of our students think about partnering together or they want to, like you guys, you know, have complementary skill sets. A lot of our students, they have money, but they don't have the skills or the experience or the contact. So they partner with somebody with more experience. Sounded like you guys had a lot more kind of balance when you started working together. But my question is, how how do you make partnership work? Like, what are some of the keys for getting through those tough times, like you said? Well, that's a good question because you'll be surprised on some of the issues or fires, as we call them. You'll be surprised at how much come at one time or what type of different issues and stuff. So I don't think there's a easy way to answer that question. But I think the most important thing about a partnership, I feel, is first of all, being able to get along with your partner. Even when, when times are good, you know, that everybody can get along. It's easy to get along with everybody. But when your back's against the wall or there's pressure on time-wise, then you really get to see your partner and yourself, your true colors, right? And see 
how does your partner respond to any trials or any issues that may arise? Do they face it head on or do they go hide in the closet and leave you to handle everything, right? And so I think that's, that's a tough thing to really determine until you're actually in a partnership. I think that once you can build trust in that sense, then you've found the right business partner, the sky is the limit, right? And I think with us, the first thing was we got along. We liked working out together, although Kiko goes at like four or five in the morning and I go at like usually like 10 at night, right? So that was a little rough, but regardless, like we knew that we're friends first, right? We could, we like hanging out together. So that made everything else a little easier. And then when you start to get into the real, like any issues, you get to see each other's true colors. And fortunately we've, both of us, we've, I feel that there's not a problem that we can't tackle together. And that just, is just icing on the cake to solidify a long-term partnership. And it's more like a family than Kiko is like my brother. We've been through a lot already together and in, in business and in life. So I think a partnership can be the greatest thing for somebody if you find the right partner, or it could be a huge nightmare, right? Because <laughs> it's really hard to get out of partnerships, especially if it's like turns toxic. I feel you have to be careful and you never really know until you're actually in the partnership. So many people go into partnerships thinking that nothing is going to go wrong. There's not going to be any disagreements. We get along so well. We're so close. What could go wrong? But, but one of the things that we always say is you have to start with assume that things go wrong and then think about, okay, how do you handle that? How do you guys handle those disagreements? Right. And it sounds like even with you guys, even though you guys work so well together, you guys are close friends, there are disagreements. It sounds like inevitably there's going to be disagreements. 100%. Always, yeah. every day. Well, I would just add a little bit to that is that when you go into a partnership, I think the wise way to start is to start it as a short term and then decide if it's a long term because the requirements, the prerequisites and the way you work together and dance together is different under both those scenarios. So on a short term where Corey and I started off with, it was more based on a contractual relationship. And then the long term became based on relationship. And so the contractual relationship is what do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? What's our split? What's going to happen if we disagree? And so everything is pretty much outlined because you're deal by deal or you're season by season or year by year, or however you structure that with the other partner. And so those short term ones are nice because oftentimes those have a little bit less pressure because you know that at the end of that deal, you're done. Hey, if it didn't go well, you know what? That's awesome. Have a great life. I um, never want to talk to you again. That was fun. Or it was a nightmare. Or, hey, we made a ton of money. This was great. And so those short-term ones oftentimes turn to long-term when things go well, not necessarily always just in profits, but in the partnership. And so that's what Corey and I saw is that we started off on one deal, then it went to another deal. Then when other deals came across our desk, we're like, let's do this together. And pretty soon it started to become uh, something that we started to look at as, hey, let's do a long-term company and let's develop something for the bigger picture, for the greater good. And that was fun because then we sat down and really started to outline, hey, what's our goals? What do we want? 
to try to do together. And back in those days, we were just fix and flip. Like we had no idea where we sit today that we would be here. We were just fix and flipping and strategizing on door knocking and who would do that. And then we'd talk about design and who would do that and the money side, who would do that. And so we started a relationship based on long-term vision that we were committed. So like a marriage, you go into a marriage saying, hey, divorce isn't an option. Like you're stuck with me come hell or high water. Sorry about that. But we're going to make it through this. And that's where Corey and I got to, I think after about three or four deals into it. And we really just said, hey, let's really partner up and let's just make this thing happen. So that was exciting as we started off in that. We we did pretty well pretty quickly. HGTV asked us to do a show. So that was fun. Cool. And we did the interview process and it just it just wasn't the right fit and the timing for us as a company and, and as a kind of a blessing in disguise. Because as our partnership has grown, we've started to realize we each have different sets of gifts and that's what's given us the strength. And then our partnership, actually, just one final thing, because I know I'm saying a lot, but our partnership actually grew to interstate or between two states. You know, So we got to be so successful on Oahu that we basically said, hey, let's give an opportunity to conquer another state. And so Washington became that target and it worked out great for my own family's life. And so that made it very exciting because not only is it a a partnership, but it's a partnership across state lines, which gives us double, triple the opportunity, but also adds more regulatory pressures and liability and then different LLCs and taxation and such like that. But again, all those complexities, when there's a long-term vision that we're sticking to this together, uh, helps us to press through and realize that there really isn't anything we can't conquer if we just have great communication, that we make sure that we do everything we can to have each other's back. And then in the end, we are always 100% transparent. And I think those are the things that help us be successful. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I love those, the transparency too. And one thing I heard Corey say really quickly about you, Kakoa, in that first deal, when you asked him to check on the property uh, across the way, was the generosity of saying, hey, you can have 50%. And I'm suspecting that's part of what's underlying some of this stuff too, is generosity. Because I've seen that in both of you guys before. Yeah, Corey can speak to this too. Uh, We're part of a group called the Go-Givers. So we're all about, you can't out give in any way. The more you give, the more you get, but it's not so much what you get, but it's just the excitement of being able to say, hey, let's be as generous as possible because the possibilities are endless as to what that may lead to. Corey, do you want to speak to that at all? Yeah. I mean, just the fact that when Kikola offered that and I was like, oh, I don't need that. That's way too much. It's just, it it showed me because that's what I would do. To somebody, I would offer fifty percent if you can just go check out my property, please. Like I'm, but then I was I'm, super glad he said he didn't want it. I was like, right <laughs> on. That was, awesome. that was fantastic because that was just a ploy, anyways. I just wanted to see. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I think that is important that, like, in your partnership, you not only have to get along, right? You not only have to see how your partner and you yourself react to tough situations. But it's also making sure that you have the same vision, the same ethics, the same morals, right? And right away, like I already knew that we were friends already, but it did gave more confirmation that, you know what, this is, yeah, why not? Why not just partner? And I was at a point too, and possibly Kekol as well. We never actually talked about it, but I think at that point, I could have just done maybe three, four deals a year on my own and just been fine. Right. And Kekoa doesn't need me and we don't need each other in a sense of business. Right. I to need be successful. You. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'd be lost without you. He needs me to have him be on time. 
and he oh, always blames it on me. Let's not that's talk about being on time. Now. <laughs> okay, you, you of all people, bro. <laughs> Anyways, so it's important. I feel like the having the same vision and morals and ethics in business and in in life and how we treat each other. We never had any disagreement about doing the right thing and doing the right thing by people. Because sometimes in business, that line can be really gray. And you know, if really, we, if we do this, maybe it might hurt someone. It's never easy in business. Sometimes there's decisions that you have to make where you might have to take a sacrifice, or it might mean that you might have to hurt someone or step on somebody. And for us, it's never really gray. Sometimes in business it can be, but for us, it's always black and white. We do the right thing, and. Even if it means that we have to take a hit or lose money on a deal or something like that, it sucks. But it's the right decision. It's a clean black and white for us. So on that sense, there is never really a worry. I feel between us that we were never on the same page in in that sense, and that's huge because in business, there's always decisions to be made that can steer you in either direction. And I feel like we always agreed on that part, which is the most important thing to me. Talk to me about uh, this fifty-fifty because I heard you guys say that when you were initially starting, you had some contracts. You know, it was contractual initially, right? And it was fifty-fifty. And, and the reason why I ask is that when I was starting a company uh, or had a company before, I was fifty-fifty with a partner, and we ran into problems because there was no tiebreaker. There was no way to break a disagreement. I remember talking to you guys, and I understand that you guys have a unique way of handling that. Can you talk a little bit about how you handle fifty-fifty and any kind of issues that might arise? Okay, so. I mean, obviously, every time you do 50-50, you're equal. And so that works out great, especially when you're first starting off. Everybody feels fair because you get compensated. When you think 50-50, you think profits first. You don't think problems first. And so the reality is that you have a lot of problems before you get to the profit. So the 50-50 actually turns out to be very complicated until you get to the profits. Then everybody's woohoo, 50-50. But the reality of a partnership is that you're going to disagree. Uh, and one person's going to at some point feel like the other one's doing more or brought more to the table or resolved more issues or just kind of is more engaged than the other one is. And so that's when the 50-50 starts to break down and the unfairness starts to happen. It's the absolute epitome of a sibling rivalry, right? So Corey says we're like brothers and that sometimes can be an issue because it's, dude, get off your butt, do something. Let's get some going. And then there's other times in which I'm uh, working on other projects and Corey's like, where have you been? I haven't heard from you for all of 20 more minutes and it's, I need to hear from you. But what we did is we did something kind of fun because it reminds us to just slow down uh, sometimes when life happens too fast, you just got to slow it down like football. It's like when things are going too quick, they call a timeout, you know, just to kind of slow down and remind everybody, hey, what's the play here? Uh, what are we about? And how do we get it to the end zone? Same way with Corey and I is we know that we have each other's best interests and we know that we typically will come to the same conclusion given enough time to rationalize everything out. So we just slow things down and, and on our actual uh, agreement as partners, our operating agreement, we have a conflict resolution clause and that clause simply simply says that we will resolve it through something we call junk in a po in Hawaii. What's the English version of that? Rock, scissor, paper. Rock, paper, That's scissors. it. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. So we'll just sit there and we'll just be like, and then, you know, three out of five. And so it just slows everything down. Do we actually go off of that? Not necessarily, but it just helps us to just remind ourselves. It's, hey, why are we at an impasse? 
what can we do to press this through this? And, and I think that's really important. I think the lesson out of all this is that for anybody who's looking at doing a partnership is to really think through what's the strategies for mitigating the conflict, because there will be conflict. Anybody who thinks there won't be a conflict then is definitely misguided as to what partnerships are. There's an old saying that I think is super true from the most part is that the only ship that does not sail is a partnership. And it's so true because you just can't have two captains and you can't have two visions and you can't have two guidance directors, but you can if you're united. Marriages work that way. And so it can happen. It just takes some dying to yourself, some compromising, some conversations, some agreement, and then a fun way to resolve the conflict. And that for us has uh, worked out really well. It, it removes emotion out of a decision making process where if there's a disagreement, and it brings light to a situation that may not be easy to talk about or what you don't want is a conflict because obviously like we already know that Keiko has his morals and ethics that align with mine and so it's never anything on that side that we have to really make a decision on it's more it could be decisions about a project or starting a new company or something else where we may both feel very passionate about it and removing the emotion from that by doing rock, paper, scissors, then it brings light to a situation and that's sacred. Like if whoever wins like that, we're going that direction, you know? So it makes hard decisions easier to make. Yeah. I think I've heard a couple of really important things from you guys. Number one is you sat down and you set out your goals together for your company and the vision of what you wanted. So you were both aligned in where you were going, which I think a lot of people forget to do. They get in a partnership and it's, hey, let's buy this deal, but nobody's looking a year down the road or what you're trying to accomplish and do over time. Number two is you have this really great way of settling disputes. And Kenji and I have done very similar, actually, more recently, we learned from the first couple of companies, which was flipping the coin, because ultimately, both people probably have good viewpoints, and there may not be a right answer in any sort of decision you you face. And so ultimately, if both people are looking out for the company, whichever one wins is probably fine in the scheme of life. And then the other thing I heard about you guys is that I think you innately realize that each of us always thinks we bring more to the table than the other person. And so it's bound that we're going to say, look at all the things I did because you see all the things you did, but you don't see what that other person is doing. And so there is always this tendency, even in marriages, to think that you're doing more than the other person. And I think it's really natural. Mm-hmm. It I totally wonder, is. I wonder if that, that the trick that we learned from Alison Armstrong, the credit parade. Oh, yeah. So there's this thing that in relationships where each each, let's say that you're, I'm the stay-at-home dad and, and I've done a whole bunch of things at home, little things that you probably wouldn't notice when you come home after a long day. And so what the credit parade is, you go around and when the person comes home, once they're ready, once they're settled, you say, hey, can I show you the things that I've done? Can, I, can we do our credit parade? And then you just walk around and say, hey, you point out all the little things that you did that day, even the smallest little things that are important to you, right, that the other person probably wouldn't even recognize. So I wonder... And they get to show appreciation. That's the key, right, is they show appreciation. We we had Alison Armstrong. She's a relationship expert on this podcast. And so she gave us that pointer. And I thought we both thought it was really But I wonder if it's applicable in this situation. I mean, like also in partnerships, there's so many things that that I remember I did when I did real estate with a friend of mine. The loans were in my name, for example. And he didn't know that I might have spent like an hour on the phone dealing with mortgage issues, right? And I'm sure you guys deal with that all the time. And so 
the other person does has no idea and there's no good way to go hey i did this right and but if you make the space create that space for giving each other credit or allowing the person to claim credit i think that actually might be a nice thing Oh, 100%. And I think the underlying philosophy on that is just communication. It's clear communication to be able to say, hey, here's what I've done. Uh, here's the stress that I'm under because of all these things that you don't even realize. And and that's so true because it's with Corey and I in different states and we have, he kind of runs more point on our hard money lending company, which is Keiko. And I run more point on our construction and property management side, but we share on the fix and flip side. And so there's some things that he's just, dude, what, what are you so busy doing? And I'll have to sit there and say, hey, here's what what construction looks like and here's why it takes a lot of time because two of our clients is Kenji and Letty and they're high maintenance and they take hours <laughs> upon hours to have to go through and then but it really helps because then he's able to go oh okay I get it and then sometimes he says I've been on the phone with this 300 million dollar borrower and we're trying to close this deal and we're having all these challenges and and just in those space of just communicating it allows us to not only appreciate what we're doing but allows us also to be each other's sounding board Sometimes you just need to vent. You just be like, hey, this is just crappy. And it's nice to have somebody that you can vent to that's safe. But the other piece is every once in a while, once in a blue moon, I might have a good idea for Corey. And then Corey will have a good idea for me to help me resolve that or get unstuck. So that's where I think the heart behind that, what she's saying is just like the credit is really just communicating. Is just saying, hey, here's what's on the docket. Corey and I kind of accomplish that on a consistent basis through a weekly call on Tuesdays. And so that's really nice. And then we also try to do that just pretty regularly if we need to catch each other. Awesome. Yeah. I think another principle would be trading expectation for appreciation. So mm-hmm. appreciating the other person and eliminating those expe- expectations, I think is a really important one for relationships and for partnerships. Yeah. Especially once you've had so many years together that you're each working really hard for the success of the company. And so it's not really, there's no doubt that the other person's showing up. Right, for sure. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the wait list at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Now back to the show. So talk to us about, I really want to kind of the listeners to understand what you guys are involved in because you guys are involved in a lot of different things and you've, you would now have, what is it, five companies? And so can you talk to us about the rationale for building multiple companies together and what your vision is for the future. 
That's good. You want to start, Corey? Yeah. So it happened. So we decided to vertically integrate our company. And it came when we, Kiko and I met a friend of mine who I went to school with. His name is Ransom. He lives in Vegas. And uh, he's since become the largest producer of cannabis um, in the state of Nevada. And so he has a mentor who's basically taught him the business and not the business of cannabis, but just business in general. And his mentor is one of the the big companies and, and, and families out there in Vegas that basically built Las Vegas. He has a lot of knowledge and he meets with his mentor, I think he said like once a week. And his mentor told him to, he would give him the framework of business and what to do and he'd have to go figure it out on it on his own right and so as ransom was progressing through his company it came to a point where his mentor was telling him okay now do a swat analysis which is what is your strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats and and just for him brainstorming that he realized that he needs to control the process a little bit more and squeeze out more profit so he vertically integrated his company where he owns the cultivation company, the trucking company, the packaging company, all of it. So it's a lot easier for him to control the process, but also profit, right? And so that got us thinking like, okay, what would it look like if we vertically integrated? And ever since that conversation, it kind of just took off like a rocket. And Kiko is a high performer. I'm a high performer. And if we have an idea and we think it's good, we're going to move on it, especially if both of us agree, then it's going to happen <laughs> So, for better or worse. It's going to happen. And we made it happen. And we have the, the brokerage and our fund and the construction company and the property management company now. So we're able to kind of service other investors as well, which is what we wanted to do anyways. Right. I'll let Kekoa speak on the rest of it because honestly, like we're vertically integrated in Seattle, but not in Hawaii. Not yet. We could be, but we're for Hawaii. Let's kind of just wait this out because uh, it's already enough managing five other companies. Right. So. When I think Corey said it really well is that when we're flipping houses, then you're dependent on a realtor to do their job to sell it. We're also dependent on realtors to bring us deals. So that's always frustrating. And then we're dependent on a contractor to do their job. And I can't even tell you how many people, how many contractors we fired over the years. And if we wanted to press lawsuits, we could probably press lawsuits on several contractors that were negligent, took our money. I think one contractor in particular, I think he owes us close, somewhere close to a hundred some thousand dollars. Is that right, Corey? About a hundred some. And so. 150,000 that we paid him and they just walked off. And so that was frustrating. And then we were having property managers manage our properties and then they would charge us completely contrary to our investor mindset. And so we're just like, this is crazy. So part of the whole thought of vertically integrating was partly to just clean up our systems because the most efficient way to make money is to have a control of the system. And the best way to lose money is to depend on too many people who you uh, are depending on that don't do their jobs. And so that kind of was the genesis of it. And then it slowly started to morph from there. And then pretty soon people were asking, hey, can you manage my properties? And they're like, hey, can you also general contract our properties? Oh, and then, you know, since you're looking for your own properties, we started the brokerage really just so we have MLS access for comps and to be able to find our own deals. And then other people are like, hey, look for a deal for me. And so that's when things blossomed. 
And I think a lesson there is that when you're given opportunities in life, sometimes it's worth taking a risk and just taking a step forward uh, because a step forward allows you to explore. And if it doesn't work out, you take a step back and go another direction. But sometimes that step forward actually gives you the direction and the ability to go like five more directions. And so that's really, I think, where we got started. And then, of course, then we met you know other investors like you both. And then that kind of takes off to another door and then another door. And so right now, I think we're definitely integrated in Washington. We're trying to streamline the processes because the one downside of a partnership that is on steroids is that the growth needs to be managed. And, and then you've got just a lot to take care of. And so it's really trying to keep up with the growth. I think you both totally understand that at this venture in your life as well. But at the same time, in the midst of this COVID season we're all in, I, I wouldn't have done it away. We have more opportunities than we probably deserve. And I think a lot of it started with just having great partnership and then the initiative to just say, hey, when there's something that's a neat opportunity, let's explore it. Let's vet it. Let's see if it's a good possibility. Uh, and let's try. And let's see what happens. As you look forward, though, I could definitely see the benefits of vertically integrating in terms of the control. But but Corey mentioned, and you also alluded to the fact that as you vertically integrate, you got your hands in a lot of different pots. You have to manage multiple companies. And when you compare that to focusing on one business, do you think that the, at some point there starts to be, you lose some of those benefits that you get from vertically integrating? Have you, when you think oh, ahead, absolutely. do you think you'll, how do you think you're going to manage that moving forward? Well, I think, well, no matter what, it's starting any company from the ground up is always a challenge. It's volatile. And it's, it's never mature. Usually it takes like maybe three to five years for a company to mature. And we're in year two, I believe. And some of them is not even a year yet. So I think our fund is a year officially in business. And so it's still volatile and it still requires a lot of our time working in the business. But I, the way I saw it is that flipping houses and we're in equity markets for the most part. So flipping houses and doing ground up development of uh, single family homes is very, it's hard to scale because there's so many third parties involved that you have to work with. So whoever is the developer or the investor that's fixing up the house or building the infrastructure for land and, and doing ground up. It's very hard to work on the business instead of inside the business. So the only path to that, I feel that Keiko and I both agreed on is that we have to vertically integrate so that we can put the right people in the right processes to one day have it working like a machine. But it's going to take years to, to get there because every company, let alone starting four or five at the same time, it's going to be crazy. We're dedicating our lives basically to these companies. And the more and more that we build them out, the more responsibility is placed on us because now we have people working for us, relying on us, making sure the, the businesses don't fail. So it's not easy. And I would love to you know sit here in front of you guys and tell you that we knew this from the start and we could see, oh, and we... But no, it, we took the leap and we pulled the trigger and now we're trying to figure out and recalibrate and aim the, to where we got to go. But to be honest, I, it's probably the best move we've made because which put us in a great position and we are on track and our companies are doing well. So we, I, I think that 
if we can still continue with the horsepower that we have between the two of us and our entire teams. Because when you start a company ground up, everyone who's on the ground level, they have to be vested in it. You're not dealing, you're not hiring our, you know, employees who are coming into a mature company and working a nine to five, just W2. Sometimes it's, hey, it's performance based only because we're bootstrapping this company. And until it's mature enough where we're all, we're all getting paid passively, then it's going to be a grind. But we've brought in the right people at the ground level who are vested with alongside with us. So one day, hopefully, hopefully soon before the three to five year average, because I don't feel Kiko and I ever do anything average. <laughs> so I, I feel we can get to that level. But that, that's the whole point. But the, to answer your question uh, about how how much of our is, is it counterproductive, it can seem that way, especially in the beginning. But maybe let's check back in a year or two and see where we're at, because I'm confident that it won't be, that we're on the right path. Yeah, really awesome what you guys are building. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the mindset that you guys, I think you guys are very special. Like people can hear that probably from listening to this about your attitude and how you just tackle things and just just the way that you see the world and you're generous. And I just, no, obviously no I can just keep going about great. you guys. Yeah. No challenge is too great. You guys are, like you said, let's do this. Let's start a hard money company, right? With no fear. That's great. Yeah. You guys are so. very special. So what have you done to develop your mindsets to get to this point? Drugs, maybe drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe on a real simple way, Corey alluded to earlier, is we spent a lot of time together. I think quality time is important when you build a relationship, whether it's a short-term partnership or a long-term partnership, is, is spending a little bit more time. I think I hear of sometimes investors just saying, hey, you and you and me and me and you and me, let's just do a deal. And that's great. But then without a plan, sometimes it starts to fall apart pretty quick. And so we spent a lot of time as we developed our relationship. And so we were at the gym. And like Corey said, it's just it was because we're so different. He's a night owl. I am. I go to bed at 9 p.m. on the clock and I'm up at 4 a.m. on the clock. He goes to bed at 4 a.m. on the clock and then he like is up at like noon. And so it's crazy. And so when I want him to go to the gym, he's just dragging. But when I he wants me to go to the gym, I'm like, dude, I can't do it. And then he's hungry after I go to the gym with him at 9 p.m. And they were having sushi, honest to God, at midnight, shutting down sushi places in Hawaii till two in the morning talking. But that's the sacrifice of getting to know each other a little bit better. So I think one of it is the mindset of, of really building a relationship on top of the partnership. Really, I shouldn't say on top. It really is the foundation. Sometimes you jump into a deal with somebody you don't know really well for one deal. And I think that's a great way to build that relationship. But long term, I think that's what's made us much more successful. The second I would say is definitely communication. We've definitely disagreed. Like right now, one example is I'm doing an adult family home here in Bellevue. In fact, four houses down from your house. And, and Corey's never really, and it's not a dramatic, but he's not really on the same page because he doesn't have the same why behind that vision. And my why was because my mom has dementia. And so that really became the genesis of me just saying, hey, what are we going to do to take care of her? And that's where the house came along. And then Corey's just, man, that's just another project. And do we really want to get into the adult family home business? And then these are senior citizens and that's like whole liability. And this is the questions and questions. And then the communication allowed us to just agree that, hey, there's going to be times in which there's going to be a project. Project that both of us won't agree, and it may happen outside of our partnership. So I think the partnership doesn't necessarily lock you in forever in terms of everything. Uh, our communication allows us to 
say, hey, let's, that sounds like that's your lane because that's something that you're passionate about. So you should do that. And then he gives me the blessing through good communication to say, hey, that's awesome. And if you need me for anything, and he says this all the time, you need me for anything, I'm there. I'm not going to be a part of every day because he's just not there. His mom's not in a position to need something like that. His dad isn't. But one day his parents may, and he'll be like, you know what? We need to do one on Oahu and we need to do one. But right now, that was just one example that there was a lot of conversations even recently just about how's that structured and does that liability carry over to our company side? Let's say something happens at the adult family home. And then how much time is that going to take you away from building this side? Because that's going to require time. And so communication, I think, is important because there's going to be some things that you're not going to see perfectly eye to eye. And and that's where it's great because our relationship trumps everything and we've got each other. So if he gets some crazy idea to say, hey, let's start you know, this other company in Hawaii, then it's okay, let's take a look at it. And it may come to the point where it's like, hey, that might be something we just do on Oahu and not necessarily in Seattle. So those would be two key ones for me. Uh, is there anything else you'd add, Corey? Yeah, I, I think to the, getting to the bottom line is I care for Kikuo and I know he cares for me like personally. So I think there's a lot of trust because in partnerships, you have to trust that you can have hard conversations with each other without it turning sour or going really bad, right? And ruining the friendship. So I, they're, fortunately, we've never had that problem. We've always had great, healthy communication when it comes to making any decisions or maybe disagreements that we have in which way to go. But once you make the decision, either way, it's okay, now let's get on board. Now it's your support. It's just like how we manage our companies. It's, we never wanna be surrounded by yes men and have people in our close circle be scared to tell us the truth or how they really feel. Because sometimes if you're, if you're too close, you could be blinded and too close into your own thing, focused on your own thing that you may be unaware of issues that are arising. And if people are afraid to tell you, especially your partner, to tell you what they feel because they're afraid that of your reaction, we don't want that ever. So everyone in the, our companies, like they know that the door is always open. You can always say, speak as you feel and we'll collect, you know, information. But once the decision's made, everybody on board, like we'll hear everybody out. And sometimes maybe our thoughts and thinking and direction is wrong and we have to get on board with their idea. So I feel, especially in a partnership, that's so important that you, at the end of the day, we support each other. And whether it's uh, even the, our property management company, Keiko and I had discussions about that. That was the last one we started. I was like, dude, no more companies. Let's focus on what we got. And then as Keiko is explaining to me about the why it's a good idea, I see the logic. We're primed to have it work. So instantly it's okay. Now I'm on board. Let's go hundred percent. And when you make the decision, there's no going back. There's just like the adult family home side, once they find out that the why behind it is personal for him, now I'm putting on the friend cap, the brother cap, and let's go, I'm back. So the, it's it, finding a strong partnership that the synergies are there is rare, I feel. And I, I feel fortunate that Kiko and I, we all of our strengths complement each other. And I, I feel that's why I feel so strongly that there's no problem that really we can't get through together because of that. So if you can solidify the trust and the solid foundation, then that's all you need. Yeah. 
There's something that we integrated early on. Corey and I don't have to do it as much now, but we use it in some of our companies. It's called the 10% rule. And um, the 10% rule is simply whether you're working with your team or a partner is that most of the time we communicate 90% of what we're thinking and feeling. So we're like, hey, Corey, that's a great hat. And hey, you you talk so nice. And thank you so much for doing your job so well. And we say 90%, but the 90% is not as important as the 10% we don't say because it's that 10% that we don't say that's oftentimes most divisive. And it's the bitterness that takes root. And it's the frustrations that build over time. And so we created something where, uh, especially Washington teams, because they're newer, is just, hey, let me know if there's a time in which you need to call a 10%. So when you tell somebody, hey, Corey, I need to share with you 10%, it means, Corey, I've got something I need to share with you that's really hard for me to say. And so when you're ready to sit down and listen and to have a heart that's open and a mind frame that says, hey, I'm ready to receive what you have to say because I understand this is going to be hard. But I think you know that I need it. That's why this is hard. Then Corey says, hey, I'm, I'm ready. So let's set it up for tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. I'll clear my calendar and, and I'll have a mindset ready to just listen. And so then it's not argumentative. There's a context built. So that way it's like, hey, bro, last night when you said this and we were on that one call and everybody thought it was really funny, but really you hurt my feelings and this happened and that happened and then this other thing happened. And so I just wanted you to know that because I just didn't want that to be something that came between us long term. Uh, and then it's just like, dude, once you can communicate that, then Corey's, I'm so sorry. You know, that was not my intention. But it goes even larger than that. Sometimes it's a 10% because it's like, hey, you made a decision that didn't include me. And I felt like you should have included me in that decision. I support it. And that's fine. But I just wanted to let you know that was 10% that I didn't communicate, but it really did bother me. And so going forward, I'd really appreciate if you do this and this. And then Corey's got it, bro. Totally didn't even realize that was an issue. And when we communicate those 10%, man, relationships just take the next step up over and over again, because that's the hard stuff that nobody wants to talk about. And I think as leaders and as bosses, it's great when the team has a communication piece to the bosses, because usually the bosses, nobody knows how to talk to them. They're the leaders. They own the company. We can't say anything, but we leave it open. The open door policy is, hey, text me. If you got a 10% that I need to hear to make me a better leader or a better manager or a better overseer of you, tell me that you got a 10%. I'll clear my schedule, clear my mind, tell you when I'm ready. And I want to hear it because that may be something that'll help us grow even stronger for the future. So just something we call the 10% rule. Oh, that's really cool. I think when I think of that, I call it compassionate truth telling, which is you think you're protecting that person by not telling them whatever you want to tell them because you're trying to protect them from feeling bad because you think it's going to make them feel bad. But it's actually you're lying to them and it's actually not kind to them. It's kind only to yourself. So you don't have to feel that when you tell them. And so it's compassionate truth telling because it protects a relationship long term because now you can be honest, transparent and actually communicate how you feel instead of being resentful and angry underneath. And so it's exactly the same concept. I love the 10% though, because it's easy for to remember and mm-hmm. it's so easy to communicate that to employees. Yeah. Yeah. And for employees to communicate that to us, because mm-hmm. that's the piece that we don't oftentimes want is feedback, but we want it. And so it definitely is really helpful. So that's helped Corey. And we've now been together for so long that it's easy for us to just be like, hey, bro, I need you to, I need you to hear this. And it's, that's the equivalent to a 10%. But when a new staff member answers our, our teams, it's just helpful to have that terminology for sure. Cool. cool. Amazing. All right. So we, so we always close our podcast with two questions. And so since there's two of you, I'll let you guys each answer the question. So the first question is, what is your definition of rich? Wow. I haven't actually had that question asked before, but a definition of rich, I think 
to me, if you're rich, you're financially free, but not just that, but you have, there's balance in your life, whether it's happiness, health, and wealth. That's what we're, we're all shooting for. Financial freedom does play an important role in that. It's not everything though. So I do feel that although my mindset is a lot on business, it's, I, I do feel that balance is the key to having a rich life. And it, it could be in, in your health and your love for your family. It's not just monetary, although it does play a huge factor because if you remove the stresses of money and bills and expenses, it's a lot easier to be happy and healthy and wealthy. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. so, I'd say so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I've had a lot of great opportunities in life and have been pretty successful at various things. And, and money has now become not as important as just a sense of peace and joy. And so rich to me is peace and joy. It's the opportunity to do what you want to do when you want to do it and not have to do the things you don't want to do. And then to be generous when you can. So it just comes down to those two words is just having a peace to not feel stressed about finances, but then not be stressed about having a job or stressed about, can you afford this? But at the same time, it's not being so extravagant that there is no joy because I know a lot of rich people with a lot of money and they're lonely, lonely, lonely. I just heard a couple of stories recently of some very wealthy corporate owners and just the level of loneliness and dissatisfaction. So I don't think it has to do with money. I think it comes with a, a sense of just a joy and a peace about where you're at in life and then just an excitement for what lies ahead. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then what is one strategy, habit, or mindset that separates someone who is rich versus someone who is poor? Ooh, that's a good one. I'll answer that one first because I've been really thinking that one through a lot and I'm going to be speaking this weekend and that's one of them in my strategies is, is just attitude. I think it's all about attitude and, and attitude defines everything. Uh, I think attitude is more important than education, experience, job title. If you have a, a horrible attitude, life is horrible. If you have a great attitude, life just somehow looks great. Uh, in Hawaii, we have something called a flower lei. Uh, and so the flower leis just, they smell so beautiful. And you can get plumeria ones, you can get picake leis, and the scent is extraordinary. And what's fun is that when you wear a lei, it doesn't matter where you go, everything smells beautiful. No matter where you go, it's like, it smells like flowers. And it's, you could go to a 24-hour fitness gym locker room and you're like, it smells gorgeous in here. And you could go into a dirty laundry room and you're like, this is amazing. You go to a garbage dump, still smells great. But it's not the context that is what smells. It's the fact that you have on a lay that smells remarkable. To me, that's an attitude. It's having an attitude that no matter where you go, it's like, hey, I, I'm going to make it through this. This is going to be a great day. I'm awesome. Whatever that attitude is that helps each individual person, I think that's defining. And so I think that's what defines the people that are successful versus those that are not. We're all given 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We've all given the exact same amount of time per day. And it's just really, why is it some people are more successful? And I think when you really listen to them and their disciplines, it all starts with an attitude. Wow. What a cool image. I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> well, I'm come listen to my little talk this weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Corey? I feel the same. It does. It is about attitude. And I think, I guess another step further is I feel we're all chasing fulfillment of some sort. And to me, I get fulfillment from tackling problems, believe it or not. And even when Keiko and I are trying to sift through things, it fulfills me. I feel grateful because like I, and I feel that 
I think we all want to feel that we have value and we're needed in some fashion. And I think if you find what fulfills you and you chase that with all your heart and passion, then that will put you in the right attitude and it will change, I think, your vision of your life and changing a life of a poor mindset, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're poor, it's like you're poor in spirit. And that's like the worst. And Robert Kiyosaki even says that there's a difference between being broke and poor, right? If you're broke, you got no money. But if you're poor, you got no money and you don't have spirit. You lost your spirit, lost your passion. You don't know, you don't have anything that's fulfilling you. And in, in turn, you don't have the right attitude to get you out either. So I think really understanding, I don't think anybody really knows why we're here in this life, but finding out for yourself, like what fulfills you can get you one step closer. What is your purpose? You define your purpose. You find what fulfills you. Chase that with your passion. And I think you will never live a poor life. Right. And I want to say something because Kekoa reminded me about, he was talking about the attitude is as we're, as we, the, every year that goes by, our partnership grows stronger and we have some big wins for even for ones that there are setbacks, if ever, then it's easier to get through. It gets easier and easier and a lot more enjoyable. And I get so much fulfillment of being in a partnership. Like I don't want to do this by myself. It's not fun. And that's why I'd say also, if you're going to go into a partnership, make sure it's someone that you enjoy being with because it's got to be fun. Otherwise, it doesn't fulfill me. And one time, I'll tell you a story. We had our development deal out here and we had a chance to wholesale it for $200,000. So we could have just had a hundred grand just sent to us, which is a good, a good deal, a good wholesale deal. Or we could possibly make a million dollars or more if we took the time to, to develop it, right? And uh so I just decided, you know what, I believe in, let's go for it. You know, let's go all the way. And so I was in the car actually when Kikoa called in and I told, uh, I was taking one of my investors around. I said, hey, watch this. So I took Kikoa, I was like, hey, bro, I don't think we can make 200 grand right now if we wholesale this deal. But uh, you know what, I want to do it. I want to do the development. And that means we got to raise like a million dollars <laughs> to do this thing. And, and Kikoa's response was, Sounds like fun. <laughs> and so it's never, whoa, you know, let's take the 200. Are you crazy? It was more like. Well, that's what I, I was saying in my head. Yeah. In my head, I yeah. was like, take the 200. That's the sure deal. Take door number <laughs> one. But no, we're going to go raise a million dollars and take a whole bunch he of didn't want the ten, He didn't want to give the 10% on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, but I knew his response. Uh, even like he was on speaker in the car uh, with one of our investors I was like, hey, watch this. Because I already knew. I trust <laughs> Kekoa and he trusts me to make that type of decision. There's a funny awesome. story I always allude to that sums up our partnership. Thank you, Corey. And thank you, Kekoa, for being with us and giving an example to everyone of what is possible with a partnership. Because I think we always see the downside, but there is such a phenomenal upside. And you two Absolutely. really are the example of that. Mm -hmm. And so we're grateful for your time. Thank you so well, much. We're grateful to be invited. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. And what you guys are doing inspires me. And I can see how it fulfills you guys serving all of these other people and investors. And it really is inspiring. Awesome. Thank, thank you, again. you, Corey. Thank you so much.
The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.